So we are in the book of Ruth. And to kind of bring us up to speed, if you remember in the book of Ruth, it was a time when the judges ruled, so the time of chaos and a time of fear and a time where everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This is the setting of Ruth. There was a famine in the land. So Elimelech and his two sons, Melon and Kilion and Naomi, they went to, they left their homeland in Bethlehem, went to the land of Moab, the place where God's enemies are. Uh, so that was a failure on his part. He also failed because he gave his Israelites' sons to Moabite wives, which the Bible expressly prohibited because the problem was not about different ethnicities marrying, but it was about worshiping false gods. And God knew that if you marry these other peoples, you will end up worshiping their gods. But he did that anyway. And then because of these failures or because of God's providence, they, he died. And Elimelech died, and then his two sons also died. So we have uh, Naomi, widow, Ruth, widow, uh, Orpah, widow. So they're devastated. Their lives are over. And then Naomi decides, God led her or whatever she thought, that this is not working. She changed her mind. I'm going back. This is now working. There's food now in Israel. All my plans here have totally failed. And she, and she decides, okay, I'm going to also make an ending with the, these Moabite daughters-in-law that I have. So she tries to get them to leave. They say no. She says, no, just go back. God bless you. Go back to your land and your gods. Orpah decides to go, but Ruth clings to her. She says no, even though Naomi planned to have her go, Ruth, God had a plan for Ruth to stay, and she had a conversion experience. She said, I want to know the God of the Bible. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to die with you. So she was committed to God's plan. So they get back. They, um, they go back to Israel. The women are there. It's a safe place where she can express her emotions and her feelings. And, of course, she's bitter. She changes her legal name um, from Naomi to Mara, which means bitterness. Naomi meant pleasant. She changed her legal name. Um, but she has a safe community of women to express when she was devastated, right? Her, her husband died, her sons died. So she was bitter. And then by, by God's providence, it was the barley season. So it was a time of, of harvesting. And this is where uh, Ruth meets Boaz for the first time. And Boaz shows a ton of kindness to her by letting her have a meal with her, giving her far more than what is required by the law. And that's where we are today. So we're going to start, we, I know we covered chapter two yesterday, but we're going to start at the end of chapter two, and we'll take it in chunks. So if you have your Bibles, turn, turn with me to Ruth, chapter two, verses 17 to 23. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And what and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, 
The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of barley and the wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So my first point I want to mention, which is from the text from last week, is that we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. And if you remember, before this part, Boaz prays for Ruth. Ruth, she, he had found out that all that Ruth had done for Naomi and Elimelech while he was alive, he said, this is known. Like, I know this, and may God repay you for this. May God repay you for all your kindness. I know who you are. She had served God's people. She had served Naomi and continues to serve her. And I think also we need to pray, right? We need to pray just like Boaz prayed for Ruth. And praying is a critical part when people have needs and issues. We need to pray for them. We need to ask good questions. Boaz was aware of Ruth and her story. So how well are we aware of people's needs and their story? Right? There are people. We are all broken in some way. People are struggling with addiction, with loneliness, with finances, with their families, with their spouse. And we need to be asking these kinds of questions so we know what to pray for. So my question is, how well do we know the people in this family, in this congregation? What needs do they have? What, they are, what are they struggling with? But also, he prayed, but he also was the means to her blessing. He was the means to it. He, was, he blessed her. He prayed for a blessing, but he also blessed her. Right, an ephah of barley is about two weeks' wages. Two weeks' wages. So she worked for one day and got two weeks. So imagine if you went to your boss, they said, "Hey, it's Thursday. Instead of paying you for your day's wage, I'm going to pay you half the month." That'd be a pretty great job, right? So they paid you for that. Now we get paid what we only what we are contracted for. But Boaz paid her more, gave her so much more. Now, Ruth did work hard. It said that, that she worked hard. She worked except for a short rest all through the day. But Boaz is the one who blessed her by giving her more access, right? If you remember, we talked about gleaning last week. Gleaning was their social security of that day, right? So in God's law, the edges of the field were not to be harvested. So the men would come and harvest the, the, the barley, but the edges, so the poor could have a dignified way to work and to survive and to feed themselves. And it was hard work because the edges of the field, it mixes with like the grass and, and other things. So you have to work pretty hard to, to, to grab that. So the edges of the field were not harvested. That was the law. So that poor people in Israel could find a way to survive. However, Boaz goes way beyond the law. He goes into grace, right? He says to these men, 
let her glean among the sheaves, right? The sheaves are the, the regular bundles of wheat. And it says, leave some of the bundles on the ground as well. So they, the harvesters, they come, they, they chop the, the wheat stalks and they bundle them up. She says, leave some of these also for her. Let, her. let her be basically like one of the harvesters. She can go wherever she wants. She can go ahead of the men. She can be with the men. She can glean wherever she wants to. We're in the main part of the field where it's easier to get the, the barley, the grain. So basically, she made, made her a harvester. And, she all, and Boaz also said, here's, you have a community of women. Be with these women. Drink from the well. Basically made her an employee. And here's a community of people you can spend time with and enjoy as well. So he's way into beyond the law. He didn't have to do any of that. But he blessed her. He prayed for her, for her to be blessed. But he was the blessing. He was part of the blessing for her. And we know this because Naomi was surprised by the amount. Wow, who was... Whose field were you in that you got so much barley? And he also said to her, stay as long as you want. Stay for the rest of the, of the season, which is a couple months. You can work. You can be safe here. You won't be assaulted. And Naomi says that. Stay there. Because, you know, and this is a dangerous time, like I said in the beginning, a time of chaos. People were not following the rules. They are following what's in their own heart. So they could be physically or sexually assaulted. So be here in Boaz's field where it's safe. And that's what Boaz said to her. So we need, for us, we need to pray for others. But we also need to think about ways that we can be the means of blessing, that we can use our blessing to bless others. We need to be the answer to their prayer as well. I remember when I was first married, I graduated from college, did not have a job, got married the same day I graduated from university, from undergrad, had no job, and my wife got sick. We had no money, we had no insurance, and one day we walked out our door of this horrible tiny apartment that we were in, and somebody left an envelope with $100 in it, exactly the amount we needed to go to the doctor to get a checkup. Now that was God who did that, but obviously God used somebody Somebody was the means to that blessing. I don't, and I still to this day, I don't know who that is. Somebody in our church, some, one of our friends, I don't know. But they blessed us. So the, and there's, there's tons of ways we can be part of people's blessing. People are lonely. This is a lonely place. People ask for friendship and for relationship. You can pray for that, but you should also, what can you do to be a part of that? Maybe you should hang out with them. Maybe you should get coffee with them. How can we be the means to God's blessings? That's my first point. My second point is that we are also blessed when we wait for God's timing. We wait for God's timing. We know that it says that Boaz, Naomi said that Boaz is a redeemer. Somebody who would come and in, in, this, in a situation where the family lost a husband or a son, they would come in and save the family to keep the, the clan, the, the tribe, the people together and alive. And the redeemer would come and um, eat, maybe marry the widow or buy back the land. That's what a redeemer does. But like I said, it's, it, there were several months. You know, they had one day together. Right. They had one meal. Maybe some romance was budding between Boaz and Ruth. But she was working for 
several more months. That's how long the barley harvest is. And she was just waiting for God's timing. It seems kind of anticlimactic. Maybe uh, she wasn't freaking out. You know, she wasn't like, when are we going to have a second date? Um, when are we going to spend more time together? No, she was just doing her job. And that's how um, relationships develop. They develop slowly, right? They don't develop super quickly, especially when it comes to romantic relationships. They take time, right? Life happens. You know, we, we try to sometimes force things to happen with whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship. We try to force it, and that, that's not God's timing, right? If you're pushing really hard, you know, when Stephanie and I were dating, we had several dates and got to know each other well, but it was over a while. And I still had my, I was in university, so I had classes and I was doing stuff with the Bible study with some friends and I was living my life. So sometimes it takes waiting and patience. And God, not always, but sometimes God makes things simple. He makes them easy. He opens the door. If you're trying to force everything and you're pushing against everything all the time, it's time to maybe think and pray about, is this God's timing? Maybe it means, you know, God says yes and no or later, right? God doesn't always just say yes or no. He might say, you need to wait. So don't, don't rush things. Wait for God's timing. God's timing is best. God's timing is perfect. Let's keep reading. This is chapter three, one through five. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies and go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. So we, like I said, we need to be the blessing. We need to wait for God's timing. And my third point is we are blessed when we use wisdom when giving or getting counsel. I think Naomi's plan is a result of not waiting for God's timing. This is, this is a, an awkward portion of scripture. Bible is a very honest book. I think Naomi was afraid of missing an opportunity, like the season's ending. Winnowing is like the last kind of day, last couple of days before the season's over, Boaz will be on his way. So she was probably thinking, I'm going to miss this opportunity, right? And I need to make something happen with Ruth and Boaz to, to make them come together in some way. She's probably thinking now or never. And I think this is questionable, so between questionable and sinful advice, right? Because Naomi, there's a conflict of interest here, right? She says, I'm seeking rest for you, right? And this is like a long-term sort of rest, but it also, of course, implies that it would, Naomi would be taken care of as well. She didn't want, of course, she, her, her motives were good. She, you know, she didn't want to continue her route to continually depend on other people in their field. She wanted long-term prosperity. And like I said before, a husband was not just a romantic, just but something who would protect you and provide for you, keep you safe, keep you alive in those days. 
So winnowing, what is winnowing? Winnowing is at the end of the season. So you gather all the grain, you put it in this, uh, the threshing floors is probably at this high elevated place. You get animals to stomp on the grains are like seeds and there's like, there's a husk and that needs to be cracked. So animals would step on it. And then what they would do is they would throw the grain into the air and because it, it's a high windy place, the chaff, the, the seed, the, the husk would blow away. So they throw it up in the air. And it's a communal place because this is where everyone needed to do this. I mean, Boaz was not the only uh, employer in Bethlehem. You know, there's other farms and other farmers. It's an agricultural society. So all the workers were at this place. That's, you, know, you do it at the same time. And winnowing was also a time, it was like a, it also symbolized like a time of celebration, a time of fun and feast. And it says, you know, eating and drinking, right? It's like, you know, I'm a teacher. So my most exciting day is when it's like the last day of the semester. You know, I, it's like, um, I got my grades done. I'm, everything's in. I'm so excited because you have all this potential of like, I get a break. I don't have to see these students anymore you know it's, it's wonderful um so that's, you gotta keep imagine this winnowing in your mind this is what it was like for the for the employers and the employees like this is a time where they get to kind of get their profits get their money and naomi knows this knows location right and she tells ruth you know dress up nicely when they were having that uh they had lunch together in the field. Obviously, she was sweaty. She was gross. She was working hard. He says, dress nice. Put on your outer cloak. Anoint yourself. Put on that good perfume. Wear your makeup. Wear your nice clothes. This is, what, this is her advice. And then she says, wait until the celebration is over. Wait till Boaz, he's, you know, he's had his dinner, had a drink or two. And he sleeps on his grain because it's protected, it's communal. You don't want anybody stealing your stuff. So you would sleep right there on your pile, you know, a pile of your grain that you, that you harvested. And then it says, lie down at his feet. I think this is not, not a great plan. I mean, if I was a, if I had daughters, I would, that would not be the advice I would give my teenage daughter. I would not give that kind of advice to her. Lie down at his feet and wait till he tells you what to do. That sounds like um, not good. Get in his sleeping bag and see what happens. That's not great advice. Not great advice, right? And you look at the commentaries, you know, there, there's a range, right? All the way from this is maybe some cultural thing that we don't understand to this is, she's, this is sinful, right? And I'm kind of probably in the vice of maybe somewhere between it, it, at the best is poor advice. It's not great advice she's giving her, right? Because it sounds sneaky. If you look at the text, it's, it's like, you know, wait. Wait till you see where he lies. Wait till it's dark. Go in. That sounds like, you know, things that I think most things that are godly and holy should be done in the open. And I think the Bible says don't tempt other people, right? And who would this tempt as a man? Every man who's breathing, right? Like you, you roll over and there's a beautiful woman in your bed. That's a temptation, right? And I think this is because, you know, Naomi, she's broken, right? She's bitter. 
She's struggling with her own. She's a believer. She, she believes in the God of the Bible. She believes in Yahweh. But she's bitter and broken by everything that's happened to her. Ruth is a new believer, so she doesn't know, like, what the right cultural rules are. And Naomi is also very desperate. She's like, okay, this is my chance to, to get them together, and then there can be prosperity. And I can, I can survive as well. I don't think she was waiting for God's timing. So the application is, we need to have wise Christian counsel in our lives. Not just Christian counsel, because Christian counsel can be terrible, but wise Christian counsel. Because we know that hurt people hurt people, right? If you are broken, that's going to skew what kind of advice you give to people. We have to be careful. Are we, what kind of advice are we getting from people? And we need to discern. We need to have dis discernment about who's a believer, who's mature, who has matured, who has wisdom. Is this person commendable, a person who has honor in their lives? They conduct even their, you know, what happens here is not always what happens on Sunday through Thursday, right? Not always the same. Are they commendable even in their lives at work? And I think also it, it takes some... When you're looking for counsel, you should have somebody who's in a, a season of life that's maybe ahead of your season of life, right? I mean, you don't, um, if you're looking for relationship advice, you ask another single person, no, like their advice is not going to be good because they're single too, right? Look to look somebody who's married, or if you have a problem with your kids, you don't look to other people who have babies too, you look people who have older kids and they look like they, they did it, right? They, they survived. So you want to have that advice, not just wisdom, but also maybe a season ahead in life, right? Of course, people aren't perfect, but you want to see people who are trying to consistently honor the Lord. So we need, and we need to find people who give godly counsel. You know, the Bible is our primary guide, but the Bible does not give us specific applications for every situation, Right? And mistakes that you make can be costly. So who is your wise Christian counselor? Who do you go to when you need help? You know, when I was dating Stephanie, I married her. And I loved her because she was beautiful and she was fun. However, thank God I got godly counsel that also said she has these other qualities like wisdom, hard worker, loves Jesus that made the relationship work. Otherwise, it could have been a total disaster, right? Because all those, the things that we're interested in the beginning do not last for 50 years, right? We need those, the wisdom in our lives. And I had wise people who are much older than me to give me wisdom in this. When it comes to a relationship with, with, a, with a spouse, I mean, it's like the second most important decision. The first decision in your life is which God are you going to worship? The second decision is which person you're going to spend the next 50 years with, right? So that's a big deal. We also need to be careful of the advice that we give, right? I know We live in a culture where Everyone has an opinion. I have lots of opinions. You can ask me about anything. I will give you my opinion and thoughts on it. That does not mean it's always wise, good advice, 
right? Because we need to know that we bear responsibility like Naomi did. She bore some responsibility for what happened. She had, like I said, she had a conflict of interest. We need to make sure that when we're giving wisdom and we're giving advice, we're not having a conflict of interest with other people. Sometimes it's better just to be quiet. And if you give wisdom, you need to seek the Lord before you give counsel to people because it has an impact on their lives. Let's keep going. So we're on verse six. So she went down to the threshing floor and did, did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of, gra of grain. Then she came softly and covered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You've made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you've not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Light out until the morning. So we're blessed when we're a blessing. We're blessed when we wait for God's timing. We're blessed when we use wisdom and counsel. And finally, we are blessed when God overcomes our mistakes. So Ruth does what Naomi says. Boaz clearly surprised. It must be pitch black there. Didn't know who it was. And he is a redeemer. Like I said, a redeemer is someone who can, uh, could marry Ruth, provide a child and protection, and the family name could go forward in that way. That was part of God's law. A redeemer can do this. This is the same thing that Naomi calls him. And she, and she says, you know, Redeem me, basically. Marry me. And she also says, spread your wings to cover me. I need to think of this like it's, it's, this is the same thing that Boaz said earlier, that God would cover you and spread his wings over you as a protection. So again, it's blessed to be a blessing. Now she's saying, you be that. Like a mother hen gathering her, her chicks together. Now it also, your translation may also say, the corner of your garments, right there, the way that's translated. This obviously might be expressing physical, romantic interest, marriage. Um, but Boaz, because he's a worthy man, he does not take advantage of the situation. Instead of taking advantage of her, which he could have done easily, he prays for her. So may be blessed by the Lord. He expresses gratitude that even though he was an older man, he says that you're interested in me, I appreciate that, showing interest. And he says to Ruth that you are also, you are a worthy woman, right? A worthy man for Boaz, right? The, the, the worthy man is like a, either a warrior or a leader or a great businessman. And that the equivalent is for Ruth, like the Proverbs 31 woman who was respected at the gates, who her husband and her children loved her. So he was saying that to you are also worthy. 
And he agrees. He says, yes, I, I'm, I'm in. I want to marry you. But he doesn't want to, he's not going to do it and do anything physical. He wants to do it the right way. He wants to do it God's way. He's going to check. There's another redeemer. Go back to bed. In the morning, I will find out and we'll do this the right way. And that's the kind of honor that Boaz has in this situation. I mean, Naomi's plan to me seems like seduce Boaz, force the marriage, and then it'll be good. But no, even though Ruth went along with that plan, God redeemed it. And Boaz resisted temptation and said, no, we're going to do this the right way. And I think that means for us that God can redeem our failures and our mistakes. The worst mistakes we've ever made. We're all sinners. We probably have things in our past that we wish we hadn't done and mistakes that we've made. But God can use those and, and, and redeem those. Just like with Ruth's mistake. You know, my dad, I, my dad met my mom. They slept together. They got pregnant with me. They were actually going to go to the abortion clinic. They went to the clinic to abort me. And then something in my mom, just her mind changed. Like, I don't want to go through with this. And they got married. And they were married for 40 years until my dad died. So clearly, obviously, the way they met and the way they got married was not the best way. Right? They made mistakes. But God redeemed that, and it turned into something beautiful, a beautiful marriage, myself existing, which I'm really grateful for, and my sister. Um, so God used even their bad choices, even their sin, and redeemed it into a legacy that extends generations. Now, I have sons, and I hope they grow up in the Lord. You know, they're, they're, God redeemed it and made a legacy, not just a good time, but a legacy. And of course, we don't plan to make mistakes. You know, Paul says you can't just hope that do bad things and hope that God redeems it. No. But we also need to know that nothing is outside of God's will. Nothing you have done, there is no evil that you have done if you are a Christian that God does not forgive and redeem and use. I think that's, that's extra important because then it shows that only God gets the glory. Right? If we figured it out ourselves and, and, and made it work and didn't make any mistakes... It gives us the glory. But when we fail and God uses that failure and brings something beautiful out of it, that gives God the glory alone. So as we conclude, we need to think about how we can both pray for blessing and be the means to the blessing in the lives of others. We should also wait for God's timing in our lives and our relationships and not force the outcome we want. We should also be selective in discerning godly Christian counsel and use wisdom when we are giving counsel to others. Finally, we need to believe that God will use even our worst mistakes and failures for his glory and for our good, and we'll be blessed in these actions. But I also want you to remember that Jesus is the only one who can enable us to change, right? This is not a try harder, do better sort of message. You know, we see that Boaz sacrificed some of his wealth to benefit Ruth, but Jesus sacrificed his life for our eternal benefits so that we can be blessed by his power and bless others. Ruth waited for God's timing in a relationship with Boaz, but Jesus perfectly obeyed and waited for God so that we are able to hear his voice. Naomi gave questionable counsel, 
but Jesus is our wonderful counselor who speaks wisdom and life into every situation. Finally, Boaz was able to resist and overcome temptation and use request, Ruth's request for good, but Jesus overcame every temptation and he lived a perfect life so that we can live an eternal life with him in heaven forever. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for my brothers and my sisters. I pray that you would give us, that you would bless us, that you'd help us to bless one another in this place and outside in our work and our spheres of influence, God, that we would use, we wait for your timing. We pray and ask you and that you would speak to us, whether it's yes or no or later or wait. I pray that you would help us to give and get good counsel, Christian counsel, about decisions we need to make in our lives. And I pray that even in our lives, even the things that we are thinking of that are shameful in our past or even in our present, that we know that you can overcome them. You can, you can enable us. You can empower us to change and to grow and to use those mistakes for your good. And I just pray that you bless every single one of these people. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Stand to your feet, please, and I will give you the benediction. Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Have a great afternoon.